magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, man? Uh, not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. And we have, returning to the cast, our friend Dan Holland. What's going on? Not much, guys. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Good. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, all right. So, uh, as always, you can find us on hipstersofthecoast.com. You know, they cover everything from Commander and Cube to Legacy Unlimited. You can find us there every Friday. And also, if you want to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash leavinglegacy. Uh, we have some great rewards in there, like stickers and shoutouts. Uh, and uh, Jerry is still working feverly on getting our playmats ready, right, Jerry? We have progress. <laughs> we have progress. As in, Jerry has contacted the artist five minutes before we started. <laughs> Progress, <laughs> but we will get those. Uh, we will get those rolling out. So, uh, so definitely check it out if you want to support support the show. Uh, link is in the show notes. Um, all right, so guys, we have a few topics to go over, but you know, we always kind of like to start the show um, and kind of recap our week. So, did you guys get a chance to play any Legacy lately? Did we you did? It was magical. Ooh, what did you what did you guys play? Each other. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, why don't you start? You had no, this. no. Please, why, why don't you tell the fine people how it went, Jerry? I want to hear your perspective. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for you, Dan. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I, so I, sh- I, I go and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't think I can stay for the whole thing. Um, you know, I have to be back by like five ish, so I, I could play like three rounds. So my plan was show up, play three rounds, see how things are, sh- you know, shaken out, see how the my deck is without top. And uh, an odd number of people show up, and I get the buy first round. I'm like, great. Cool. Uh, round two, uh, I played Jerry. And we had played a couple days before, um, and he was playing Bug Delver, and I was I, I basically cut all the tops from my pox list and added some more hand destruction and, and bumped back up to Foreign Tombs, and I crushed him. Like, it wasn't close. It's not a fair matchup. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty no, sure it's not. like ninety. It's like ninety-five-five in Pox's yeah. for over Bug Delver. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. And then we played round two, uh, and I crushed him. You got me to one in the second game, but then you died—a miserable death. I never wanted like bolt or even freaking gut shot more in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Uh, the problem with Bug is that you would just have those games where you just really wish you had a lightning bolt. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. Like, you convinced me to play uh, the Abyss main deck, so I landed one, and you sandbagged, like, three Delvers <laughs> and then threw them all out there. <laughs> yeah, I just I was just stacking my hand up because he has an Abyss out, <laughs> and I have no way to deal with the Abyss uh, in the game because it's a four-drop, so Abrupt Decay doesn't hit it. Oh, so no, just... you, had, you had one out, Jerry. What, what, what was the spice you were playing? That was a good oh. <laughs> I was running the Josh Sissio sp- uh, special of Recoil. Yes. <laughs> the blue Vindicate, but sadly did not draw Recoil. <laughs> <laughs> so I just saved up three Delver of Secrets and then just played them all out in hopes that I could just kill him before it ticked <laughs> down. But then, in addition to having the Abyss, you also had, like, Innocent Blood Smallpox in hand. <laughs> so it oh, didn't, Liliana. Didn't yeah, I know Liliana, so it did, yeah, it didn't matter. 
Uh, and so then um, round three, I ended up playing against... Um, oh, I forgot his name. I ended up playing against um, a guy who hadn't ever played in a competitive Legacy tournament before. Um, and that was a really interesting experience. I mean, like, he has to play against Pox in his first competitive tournament. That kind of <laughs> made me feel shitty, but... First and last tournament. <laughs> <laughs> if this no, is no, no, he ended up beating me. He, he was playing... Um, he was playing a hive mind deck, but he he was he was playing like Memnites uh, and Ornithopters and um, Dark Rituals and the ritual that like makes you sack a guy. That's why he was playing the Memnites and Ornithopters. And he was trying to oh, it was called the Week hard, or something like that. Call the Week exactly. So he his plan was to hard cast Hive Mind and then pack you, um, which you know. Uh, High Mind Pact is a is a an old strategy. It's a it's a really sweet fun strategy, um, but I think he just hadn't put the time into research competitive versions of that deck, which I appreciate. Right, it was fun seeing a new take on a deck, and I think in our format we don't get to see that that often. Um, and we had a great time with it. Like he he played his Hive Mind and then cast um, he cast a spell to like you can pay X life and look at the top X cards of your library. But I got a copy, and I was like, "Screw it! I'll pay 18 life. Let me see what I let me see what I run into." Hmm. Um, and we had a fun game, and he ended up beating me two games to one. Um, I can't beat a high mind in a pact. So, <laughs> but afterwards, I was like, "You should look at the card show and tell. It's like 12 bucks, and you can kill everyone on turn one now. So. <laughs> Maybe he'll isn't, run that." Isn't it a great feeling you could just tell people, "Yeah, you should pick up show and tell. It's only 12 dollars." <laughs> yeah, that's like, pretty crazy. Like, that was a $70 card at one point. So I, I think that's awesome just because now more people get to enjoy the wonderfulness that is show and tell. What's Sneak Attack? Uh, I think Sneak Attack's still, like, 20. It got down to, like, 12 at one point. Oh, yeah, I, I think show that was tell, an EMA. Yeah, it's an EMA. I think show oh, and tell... Like, it is, like, 17, 18 bucks. Yeah. Well, I think show and tell might be $18, $20, too. It's creeped back up. But, I mean, it's still way cheaper than they used yeah. to be. It's too bad City Traders went up so high. Yeah, well, that's why you got to play it in these fun decks, yeah. like Hive Mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised when I saw him cast Hive Mind because I have not seen a Hive Mind deck sleeved up in probably like three years. Yeah, I don't. I've never come across that deck in Legacy. Do you know how it works, Pat? It's super uh, cool. Is uh, isn't that like similar to what the Tron deck plays, or is that uh, Mind Slaver? I think that might be Mind. That's Slaver. Mind Slaver. Yeah. No. What Hive Mind is is Hive Mind is an enchantment for six. Is that right, Dan? Five and a blue? Yeah, five colors and a blue. And it just says every spell that gets cast gets copied. Oh, okay. Every so opponent, he... e- like each player, each other player gets a copy of whatever instant or sorcery spell is cast. Oh, okay. That's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, well, so you play it with the packs, pack of negations. Oh, right, right, packs. right. <laughs> so then you're Back to the opponent. Titan, that's a card. Yeah, back to the Titan. <laughs> Just any pact, basically. It doesn't even matter yeah. what it does. Uh, well, pact of negation's good because it, it's a counterspell that you and you can like get them to cop counter your copy. So if something crazy happens right. and it goes back to your turn, you you don't lose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you you cast any pact, co- their copy goes on the stack. Then you pass the turn, and they have to pay the mana cost during their upkeep, or they lose. Jeez. And the mana cost is, like, for Slaughter Pack, it's, like, two and a black, which is probably the easiest, compared to, like, Pack of Negation, which is three and a blue. What's Pack of the Titan, Dan? Three and two blue. Pack of yeah, the Titan three and two is, blue. like, yeah. four and a red or something. Yeah, it's four and a red. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, 
your opponent's not casting these, especially if you're casting like multiple packs in the same turn. <laughs> yeah, great, great two things. One, hive mind, incredible fun in commander. Lots of fun. <laughs> two, not fun at all when you have two hive mind players show up to like oh. a janky team tournament and one guy's like, I got a hive mind, the other guy's like, I got a pact, oh we win. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that Nick Bliss? <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, he thought about it and was like, then I didn't want to be like a dick, and then some <laughs> other people showed up at that same tournament and did exactly that. Uh yeah, that's that's why you can't have team two headed giant legacy tournaments because people <laughs> do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> to, be yeah, fair, not cool. <laughs> to be fair, me and Mike showed up to that same tournament, and I played Tinfins, and he played Counterspell Dot Deck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> his deck, true. his deck had two Jace, and those were the only win condition in the deck. Every other spell was a Counterspell, yeah. and it was just mono blue. And he was just like, "I'm your pit crew, Tinfins on them." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I like the hive mind combo because it is uh, so resilient. Because if they try and counter it, you get a copy of their counter, so you just get to counter their counter. Mm-hmm. No, it has to be in play. It has to be in play for the effect to take. Oh no, yeah, I mean countering the uh, the the hive mind you can do, but as far as you can't counter once hive mind is in play, it's very difficult to disrupt the uh, the uh, packs. I mean, you can counter your copy of the pact, right? Uh, no, because then your you, opponent, you still have to pay. Your opponent, well, your opponent gets the copy. Uh, so you, when we say uh, you, we mean the hive mind player. So the hive mind player plays slaughter pact. The other player casts a counter spell trying to counter their own slaughter pack so that they don't have to pay on their oh, own. Oh, yeah, they get a counter, they counter. Hive mind. Yeah, 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 it's gross. It's a copy of the counter spell to counter their counter spell. Card's so great. Yeah, it, it is a nightmare for stacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you're a player who likes stack shenanigans, Hive Mind is the pinnacle of stack shenanigan decks. Uh, but, so, you you lost to him, uh, Dan? Yep, can't beat Hive Mind. <laughs> And it's only when the I mean, person I, controls hive of, mind. Like it's only oh, it's just any whenever any player casts instant sorcery, each other player copies that spell. So it's not even like an opponent. It's any. That's a weird. That's a weird card. But yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like if you resolve the hive mind, and I untap. I go thought seize. He's like, all right, I guess I'll thought seize you too. <laughs> oh, that's weird. That's such yeah, a weird it card. was it was fun. I mean, I I was playing a really 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 removal heavy version of my deck, mm-hmm. expecting a lot of like Delver and check pile and all that garbage. Um, and I had, like, I had six one-mana discard spells, but I just, like, ended up not drawing them, and so I ended up boarding out, like, 12 cards and boarding in, like, Leyline of the Void, because I'm like, I, this is still better than an Innocent Blood, you know? <laughs> doesn't really do anything, but I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I played, I got a buy... And then I got a round two by because I played Jerry. Which... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I had an unwinnable matchup, so it was good. So what you're saying is you got some quality tech uh, testing in with Pop. Dude, so much quality testing. <laughs> Do you play on uh, Magic Online at all or no? No, I don't. I I mean, this is my hobby, and I 
I like the inner, like the person to person interacting, mm-hmm. like interactions and like, I'd, you know, we're, we're all nerds, but I think it's, it's nice to get out of the house and out from behind your computer sometimes. And, course, and this, yeah. is, this is, this is the way I do it. So. Yeah, I, I definitely feel it. I wouldn't play, I would not play Magic Online if I was able to get out to more events, but it's tough for me to get out sometimes, so I play Magic Online as a, a poor replacement, you know, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, I tried it one time, and the, just like, the UI was oh. miserable, and I was like, no, I, yeah, I don't think, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deal with this just to play Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. Um, alright, so, let's see, let's, uh, you guys want to do our main topic? I know uh, Dan was pretty fired up listening to the last episode, and uh, Jerry thought it'd be fun to have you come on. And uh, well, maybe not the last episode. Maybe it was two episodes ago. Now we were talking about, um, you know, obviously the Sensei's top band. There's still like, a lot going on with that as far as kind of where the meta is going to shake out. Um, you know, where it leaves us as far as uh, GP Vegas and the other like, large events that are coming up um, in the next few months. Um, and <laughs> I know that I said, I'm, I'm quoted as saying uh, something about not really giving a shit about the splash damage of the Sensei Stop Band. <laughs> like a cold-hearted government <laughs> official. Who cares about the collateral damage? Yeah, you I, said something like, players are overstating collateral damage. Like, yeah. they can still function without top. It's yeah. Like, uh, it's yep. like, imagine they ban, like, Brainstorm and Ponder. It's like, you're overstating the damage. I mean, you can still play your Delver deck. <laughs> It just won't be as good or consistent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why we invited Dan on in what has been the longest intro in cast history. <laughs> <laughs> Dan has come on to give the perspective of a non-Miracles top player. Okay. So, Dan, I guess just break it down. How did top function in green-black pox? I mean, I eventually came around to the realization that it was probably, I mean... The best card in the deck. <laughs> you don't say. The band card was the best card in the deck? Yeah. It's close. Entomb was pretty good. But, um, yeah, top top is really good. Um, it basically allowed you to keep up with blue card selection while not playing blue uh, for an incredibly cheap cost. Like, blue gets to look at cards for one mana, and now you get to look at cards for one mana. You get to do it over and over again. Um it, it, and it really smoothed out in a pox deck that like late game where you end up in top deck mode, you can not flood out. And as a pox control deck, you're ending up in the late game pretty damn often. Yes. You're supposed to thrive in the late game. Yeah, I mean, the idea previously was end up in the late game with a Liliana in play and no one has any cards and get there. And against most decks, that works. Against many, many, many decks that works against the Miracles deck that did not work, and that was the the reason that I switched over to the black-green version. I played my own tops to sort of negate their tops, and then I played Abrupt Decay because you can, and that gets rid of the counterbalance, and, like, incidentally, I was like, okay, I guess I'll play Loam now. And uh, then I was like, okay, I guess I'll play Entomb so I can find the Loam. Um, and then it was, oh, what other cool cards can I add into this deck? And you end up with Worm Harvest, uh, which <laughs> conveniently crush like it smacked Miracles players around. Um, the card's really annoying and happens every turn. And even with a counterbalance in play, like they have to have a Force of Will on top of their deck to be able to counter it. It's not like 
one of those, oh, I have like two million one-mana spells in my deck, so I can counter every one-mana spell almost every time. Um, it was it was really, I mean, it was a thorn in their side, and it was the way that I beat them most often. Um, and in all the other matchups, it it really just like just like playing brainstorm and ponder does. It smoothed out the draws. You're like, ah, oh, this hand's like a little shady, but I got a couple hands in the top, so I'm gonna keep it. Mm-hmm. And it works out most of the time. So definitely like at post ban, I mean. Mulliganing is going to be really difficult. Um, it's going to feel really bad. I know a lot of people were like, oh, it felt like shit like playing against people who looked at a bunch of cards during the game, and I couldn't. Like, that's how I feel now. Like, <laughs> you're all playing four Brainstorm, four Ponder. Some people are even also, in addition to that, playing Preordain, you know? Yo, Preordain's so, a good card. I've come around <laughs> to the Preordain train in uh, Sneak and Show. I've seen that a lot in Sneak and Show, for, as a little side note, for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean... Preordain feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so now we're in a situation where it's like, oh, you're not playing blue? Like, now all your blue matchups are the Miracles matchup, pretty much. Yeah, that can definitely feel brutal. So you think uh, this is going to push the Legacy format even more blue-centric? Initially, definitely. I mean, people are going to go back to what they know, and, and the Delver decks are going to come back. And, like, even the like the Storm decks, like, Tess is running Brainstorm Ponder, right? Uh, I mean, it, it depends. If It's basically, are they a Chalice of the Void deck, or are they a Cantrip deck? The, the, the Storm decks. The Storm decks. Oh, sorry, decks, I thought you said right? Tesserate. I thought you said Tess. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Tesserator. We'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's also on the docket. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, all the Storm decks definitely, they, I mean, they got to shave green. Um, some are still holding on to it, but yeah, they... It doesn't seem right to me. Uh, I mean, Giles of the Void still exists. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I mean, I think, like, you guys talked about it. That's, you know, Jerry, you said, um, you know, I really want to just slam a Chalice of the Void on one and look my opponent in the eye and be like, you thought you were safe. <laughs> like, there are definitely, there are definitely some people out there who are going to do that. And I was really tempted to do that. And I am still really tempted to do that. Because there's a lot of greed going on. Um, yeah, greed is good. It feels like 1980 right now in, uh, <laughs> in the legacy meta. Just so much greed out there. <laughs> um, but I, I remember after the band thinking, shit, what can I replace this with? You know, is there anything out there? And I looked at things like Sylvan Library, not even remotely close to good enough. Um, cost too much. You can't do it at instant speed. I mean, top let you look at. Like a library, yeah, cool. You, you you can look at three cards on your upkeep, and if you want to pay a bunch of life, you can look at new cards next turn. Mm-hmm. Um, top was like, I could look at six to nine cards in a turn, depending on how many fetches and dredges I had. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, all right, spin the top. No, not what I want. Fetch, respin it. No, okay, flip. If I got two tops in play, flip one, dredge three cards, look at three more cards, you know? Right, we we talked about that at the tournament. That that was a big, uh, you know, downfall of not having top is uh, life from the loam is such an important card for the deck because you also have uh, the Thespian stage dark depths as one of your primary win conditions, and people being able to target uh, your life from the loams uh, can can be a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, with like Deathrite Shamans or Surgical Extractions, and Sensei's Divining Top was just a way to just instant speed protect that life from the loam in your graveyard with an instant speed draw. 
Right. So, I mean, I was more worried about the Deathrite Shamans, and so that's why this time I was playing so many extra removal spells. So I was playing, like, um, three Innocent Bloods and four Fatal Pushes, plus Smallpox Liliana of Reptikei. Um That's a lot so of dead that, creatures. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of dead creatures. Um, it definitely takes care of the Deathrite Shamans, and I think, like, I started playing Curse Scroll again so that you're less reliant on that. <laughs> that is um, a... Sp- Especially, that is especially what blew me out, and I can see how good it is against all the Delver decks, and even probably the Stoneforge Mystic decks. Curse Scroll, I think, got a lot better than when it was under uh, Miracles. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm caught in between two worlds, where prior to Miracles, I was on all kinds of super-tuned versions of the Mono Black Pox deck. Yeah, just lean, mean, Mono Black Pox, just like straight four ofs across the board. Right, exactly. But I got into this um, comfort zone of card selection, which I feel like Blue Mages have had forever, where I had my top... <laughs> you sound and, bitter, Dan! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like playing blue cards, so I don't know. It's sort of, you end up in this in this position where it's like, okay, if I want to play Legacy, I should probably be playing Force of Will, Brainstorm, and Ponder, but it feels bad playing in a format where 12 of your cards are decided for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not really about a 48-card format. Um, I like playing different things, like sort of off-the-cuff things. So I tried to... My, my thought was, all right, well, the, the closest I can come to card selection now in the in the shell I had was, like, the Entomb. So I went up to four Entombs and um, added... I thought about adding back... Um, Oh, what's the ooze guy? Scavenging ooze? No, no, there's like a... I can grab the card. The guy, he's like one colorless, two black for a 1-1, dredge two. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, destroy all creatures with converted mana cost equal to the <laughs> number of plus one, plus one counters on him. That guy. <laughs> and at your upkeep, you put a plus one, plus one counter on him. <laughs> God, that guy's so annoying. <laughs> it's a hilarious card. And then I realized I'm going way too deep on this. <laughs> Um, I should probably just be, you know, playing four of those so I can have, like, five copies of Loam without actually playing five copies of Loam and being able to get the Worm Harvest or extra pieces of the combo as well. And that kind of works out, but it's definitely, like, a much worse version of the deck than it was. And it's, like, really, I don't know, kind of steering me either back towards a mono-black version or just, like, away from playing that deck completely which, right, you know, I've been playing the deck for, like, six years straight, and so it sucks having to put a deck like that down. That's, um, that's what we we were talking about right after the ban. I mentioned on the podcast that, you know, as soon as Sensei's Divining Top ban uh, announcement took place, you were just like, that's it, I'm done with Pox. Yeah, I mean, maybe even, like, just let Legacy stew for a little while. Um, screw around with other formats where, like, I... You still have that, like, ah, I'm going to make a deck. Oh, it's not good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I think I'd mentioned Modern. I know we don't talk about Modern on this podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's how that's how dark my days were. I was like, oh, man, I think I'm going to be playing Modern. And then I was like, what am I doing with my magic life? You <laughs> just know? <play> tiny leaders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I'll just play, like, a shitload of Commander. Um, but, I don't know, I thought about being, like... Like you said, greed is good in this new format, so I thought about picking up like a couple of Badlands and just playing like Chalice Abyss Blood Moon deck. 
Oh, God. Yes. Yes, I love it. I mean, I have all those cards. I just need the Badlands, so... I got Badlands for you. All right. You put that together. That's pretty sure you can just find Badlands scattered around the ground. They're not... <laughs> Uh, what did we hear at the tournament? Oh, you have a lot of dual lands. I think I was like listening to some, overhearing some folks trading, and they're like, "Oh, but only one badlands." And he's like, "Yeah, one badlands is exactly too many badlands." <laughs> I did not hear that. That is a great take, though. <laughs> I don't know. You got to bring the Badlands back. I mean, give them some love. You know, it casts the Abyss and Blood Moon. Those cards are both great. Hey, Red Black Reanimator gave a lot of love. I, I mean, Plateau is still the ugly sheep of the herd. No one wants That's, Plateau. It is now. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> I I got a uh, a Black Border Plateau, and it's still like not even like it's still one of the cheaper cards I've purchased. <laughs> Like I, I think it was like less than a hundred dollars wow. for a for a black border dual land. As long as you're not picky, kids, you just get your plateaus <laughs> and do nothing with them. <laughs> I mean, painter servant. Oh wait, that also lost sensei's divining top. Yeah, but can they? Yeah. Can, so can painter servant function? So, sorry. So you're saying that basically green black pox in the current state is likely. It's just not able to function in a competitive manner without top. Is that what you're saying? Basically? I mean, it. It. I don't have enough data points, mm-hmm. but it feels like it, you go back to it's. It's not nearly as consistent as when you had the top, sure. which makes sense. Um, it goes way back to different like swingy matchups. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, cool. I can crush Jerry. I can like you can eat. You can still eat Bug Delver. For um, a lot of people, that's enough. Just it crushes Jerry is all they need. <laughs> I mean, you just got to catch Jerry on, like, a not-lucky day, yeah. right? Yeah. Or playing a not... Like, okay, let's put it this way. Bug Delver, you have to, like, pay attention and be good at magic, right? <laughs> it was a simple mistake. Anyone could have made that mistake, Dan. Okay, so Jerry... I'm watching Jerry round one because I have the buy. He casts a Brainstorm, puts two days on top of his deck. Says go. And his opponent's like playing reanimated. It's turn nine. My opponent has, like, five mana in play. <laughs> okay, Jerry's got a fetch land, and I'm like, all right, cool. Jerry's going to fetch it at the end of turn. His opponent, like, plays a land, does nothing, says go. Jerry draws a daze and then goes, fuck, what'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, when you're playing Sneak and Show and you fuck up, you can still, like, kind of be like, oh, well, I can still, like, throw a Grizzlebrand at him. Like, when you're playing <laughs> Bug Delver and you fuck up, you're like, shit, now I have dead cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was Better gonna say, good, Jerry. I felt super rusty. I have not played Delver in probably close to a year, and I felt super rusty with it. Yeah, people are gonna have to get back into the swing of things. Like it's definitely it's a really difficult deck to play, and it had a really not. I mean, not the best. It had a bad miracles map. I mean, most decks had a bad miracles matchup, so it ended up not getting played a lot. It it did feel super good though because I I was playing like the Team America build, which is like the greediest. The greediest of the of the mana bases, and I was playing twenty two one drops, twenty two one one drops, oh th- three tropical islands, three underground seas were my only mana producing lands. <laughs> Do you think like, people are going to be doing that a lot? I'm doing it because it feels so good. Like you could not play this type of deck when miracles was a thing, because uh, even with abrupt decays, uh, counterbalance just wrecks your face. 
But without counterbalance, you know, even with the Chalice of the Void still in there, I can I can beat the Chalice of the Void decks with the Abrupt Decays and just being this like aggressive, lean, mean, uh, just tempo deck feels such such a good feeling compared to where the meta's been for the last couple of years. Okay, you didn't feel like you could beat the the counterbalance with Abrupt Decay. I, I mean, it was definitely not a matchup I wanted. Like, it's not that it wasn't unwinnable. It's just there's way to tune the deck to make it more winnable. And when Miracles is so popular, you tune the deck. And then before you know it, it's not really Team America anymore. It's more of a mid-rangey bug control type deck. Like, yeah. what I'm talking about, like, mine was four Delver of Secrets, four Deathrite Shaman, four Tarmogoyf. A True Name Nemesis, a Leovold, a Vendillion Click, two Lilianas, uh, and then like four Jace. I'm uh, sorry, not four Jace, four Dates. <laughs> not Jace. I just want Jace in every deck. But sadly, not this one. <laughs> four Days, uh, uh, four Thought Seas, uh, four uh, Force of Will, four Brainstorm, four Ponder. Like cool. it's just a disgustingly aggressive deck. And I top, I top forward uh, the tournament with it. Well, sorry. you're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Dan, because of Dan's scoop. But uh, the deck just felt so powerful. And, like, you just don't get that build in a Miracle Heavy or even in any meta where Miracles exist just because you need to hedge your bets for it. It just felt really good to play this, like, tempo aggro deck. Hmm. Yeah, it's sweet. I feel like that hasn't kind of... That hasn't been, like, a giant thing um, since Miracles came around and reared its ugly head. Like, to be clear, I'm... I'm glad Miracles is out of here. Um, it was even even having a good matchup like it, it was typically miserable, um, and you could see the misery on all the other players' faces when they sat down and they had to play against Miracles. Like it just wasn't it wasn't fun. It was killing the fun. It definitely like warped the format. Like looking at what my Pox deck morphed into. That was because yeah. of miracles. Like it totally warped that deck. It was like, yeah, four, like four top four abrupt decay and a worm harvest. Like, what is going on? <laughs> oh man, now I want a collage of like, I want a collage of like before and after picks of like decks right before miracles became a deck and like decks at the end of miracles reign and like what they have morphed into. <laughs> Look what Storm did. Storm added a second color just to like to beat counter uh, beat counterbalance. You know, or a third color. You mean? Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it was definitely a warp on the meta, and now everything's, like, snapping back in time. Right, right. And it's going to, like, you know, the most broken of combo decks before... I still th- I still think that we'll see, a like, a control deck come to the front, forefront. It's just going to have to be able to uh, play a much fairer game as a control deck. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's why, that's why I picked up a vote, so I can be the new control deck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see Sphinx's Revelation in Legacy. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, so I picked up a moat, and everyone said, oh, good thing, Jerry's going to be a buy for the next couple of yeah. weeks, <laughs> while he just plays every janky control deck under the sun. <laughs> There's your four Jace deck, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, four Jace and a moat. I was actually thinking, now that I have a moat, I've always wanted to do a uh, moat-thopter sword combo. Ooh. <laughs> Just Why? Make an endless, 
<laughs> just what? making up this army of t- thopter tokens. Oh, it's so bad, Jerry. You're just you're just th- burning money. You're burning <laughs> oh, and tournament no, entry money. Yeah. Oh, and no, so thopter sword plus uh, you know, moat plus I can throw in rest of uh, rest in peace helm of obedience combo, <laughs> and I can find them all because they're all enchantments and artifacts with enlightened tutor. I can't oh, wait man, until you have like amazing. I can't wait till like you only have rest in peace and like. And sword on the on the battlefield, like <laughs> none of your other combo pieces, and just get just get fucking punched the dick over and over again. Sometimes when you have so much synergy, the synergy <laughs> counteracts the other synergy. Oh my Jer- god, Jerry! Jerry, I have three two card combos in my deck. Me. <laughs> and my tutor finds them all. <laughs> Sure, that sounds like a bad version of the the blue black Tesserator build. <laughs> no one, uh, no one in Lightning Tutor also finds sneak attack. <laughs> it also finds Blightsteel Colossus, right, Jerry? This, this deck, yeah, it does. This deck sounding familiar. I think I played this deck already. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have played this deck. Jerry. <laughs> I think it's time to bring it back. Yeah, it's time to bring it back. Where oh, were we? God. Oh no, oh, we got yeah. so far off topic. Yeah. Oh, Dan, you showed me earlier a excellent table that I did not. I did not realize this is how this sub layer of the meta was shaping up. Can you can you tell us about the the graph you showed us? Yeah. So basically, uh, just just of like decks that hit MTG top eight, like the most recent fifty decks going back to you know the uh, I think like the second week of this past month um, before the ban. I was wondering how many other decks there were that were playing top. You know, the splash damage, basically. I was like, okay, is it real or is it not real? Um, and of the decks that were on MPG Top 8, there were uh, of the 50 decks, 60% of those were Miracles decks and 40% were not Miracles decks. Um, so that was a little surprising. I kind of expected Miracles to be higher. I would have said 20% splash damage was you know, legit and non-trivial, and you should think about it. Forty mm-hmm. percent's pretty big. Um, now, hold on, wait. Let me just let me just. How many decks is this total? Fifty decks. Fifth, okay, fifty decks. So, so I want to do I want to do more analysis, right, mm-hmm. and look at sort of how how things were going over time. Now, you could look at this and say, yeah, this happened because Miracles was shitting on everyone with top. So now all these other decks started playing top. Mm-hmm. And you know that is that is format warping, and you know by itself kind of constitutes a ban. But I bet you that in the coming weeks we're going to end up with yeah, how many how many of the decks that are top hitting are playing brainstorm? You're probably going to be looking at eighty ninety percent of decks are playing brainstorm ponder forcible. Yeah. yeah, if you want to learn more about that, just listen to Tusk Talk. They they yeah. bemoan that fact every every episode how. I mean, and it's it is true how really like um, uh, pervasive like brainstorm ponder are in in legacy, but I think that's just part of the texture of the format, you know, for I better or for to worse. A, to a much less, lesser extent, ponder just in the fact that some decks don't have the room. Sure, but brainstorm like, is the really. But brain, really, yeah, and if yeah. they ever got rid of brainstorm, ponder would slot right into that slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'd be looking at ponder preordain at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let, let's take a look at this uh, list. Have we run down all the numbers yet, or just some of them? 
Uh, just just miracles. Miracles was sixty percent, and then yeah. So the other forty percent is made up these various other decks, and you know some of these I think are fine, and then I think some of these were seriously impacted by the uh, well, the top banning. And let's just say that like really of those forty percent, you know twenty four percent were two decks. So yes. more than fifty percent of the twenty percent, or I'm sorry, of the forty percent were show and tell and storm. Yes, show and tell eight percent, right. storm sixteen percent. Right. I can say from the show and tell perspective, losing top is annoying, but it's not the end of the world. We just slot right in some preordains and we're good to go. Right. Not that big of a deal for show and tell. Right. Uh, storm. I'm. I'm not sure anyone have any perspective on that. Zero. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be honest, it, it. It. I mean, I have to look at the decks, but it really depends. Like, um, you know, the versions that are that are running Bloom playing Brainstorm and Ponder anyway are probably okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they benefit, I'm wondering if they benefit more from the lack of miracles being in the format than any any detriment to their deck because Top got banned out of their deck. Right. Um, I mean, that was what was that was the boogeyman for them, right? So that's gone. I, I'm wondering if they're l- lumping in Doomsday decks to this Storm number, because if we're talking Doomsday Storm, then yes, it got much, much worse. But these are, these are like, um, all these decks are decks that have top-aided, or are they just decks that have registered for a live event? That have top-aided. Okay, so likely Probably not Doomsday. Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> so well, and, that solves that. Yeah, so, and, and when you really break down the numbers, you're looking at of these 50 decks, 30 decks were Miracles, uh, 4 decks were Show and Tell, 8 decks were Storm, and everything else was a single deck. Was one one deck. or two of, yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, Nick Fit had two. And, like, Bug Control, Burn, Jund, Lands, uh, Blue Red Control, Painter, all have, are all in the, the one spot. So, and again, it's not necessarily, uh, what's, you know, these aren't necessarily the decks that are being played. Like, you know, um, what's the best way to put this? This is they, not a a rep, like n is small. It's also yes. decks that top aided and decks that reported out and decks right. that are were are were reported in places that are checked for a particular you know by a particular website. Like this is not representative of the legacy exactly. Meta game, so like there, right? yeah, the, yeah, like this is not representative of all the people who play the who play the card, right? No, definitely not. But yeah. I think my my point was okay. Where can we look for data? We don't really have fantastic data sources. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one repository. We can't go to Wizards and be like, hey, what are people playing? You know, like, they'll be like, go away. Shrug, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, th- like, it's sort of the best I could think of. Like, I definitely want to pull more, um, like, look at more decks, like, pull more numbers and get a more accurate representation. But, like, in the limited time I had before, you know, I hopped on, like, this was the best I could do. And I think, like, initially, like, splash damage is real, um, it's not, yeah, you're not going to alienate a large portion of your base, but mm-hmm. when you think about the pay, like the payoff function for the people it does impact is highly negative, right? Mm-hmm. So the people who like this, they were, they were hinging on this card to make their deck viable, to mm-hmm. make it remotely consistent. Okay. Those people weren't playing the blue cards and those people don't really have a good way to make their deck consistent in the same way anymore. And those people can't really audible into anything that is consistent in that same way. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. feels bad. And I think you're going to end up with this back to like the blue players and the non-blue players. And now the non-blue players are going to feel like 
it, like in the same vein of ah, oh, this guy's looking at so many cards. Like that's that's how they're gonna end up feeling playing against every blue deck because mm-hmm. every blue deck's gonna be playing like eight plus one mana cantrip spells. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's just I'm worried about like that. Like it's gonna it feels bad and it feels it feels worse than like the actual match percentages would show. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something you probably need to consider like their decks definitely got a lot worse and they're going to initially feel this really bad impact um and drop in consistency of their deck and i mean i i'm going to keep my pox deck around and i'm going to keep tinkering with it and thinking about it and you know there there are ways to adapt to any meta game like even the miracles meta you could adapt to it like yeah accept the warp and build a deck that beats miracles um but, you know, I would really encourage them to, look, you've been playing this for a long time. You know the ins and outs of this deck. It's not going to be as consistent anymore. What can you tweak given the way that the meta goes mm-hmm. and constantly tweak your deck? What can you tweak to attack that meta to give yourself, like, the best shot at, you know, whatever whatever your whatever your goal is? Like, whether that be winning, most people it's winning, right? You can attack this new format in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but for me... I kind of still want to keep... Like, I'm going to keep my my Worm Harvest just because I really like casting Worm Harvest. <laughs> I'm sure uh, that's a reader for most people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, and and it is it is a huge amount of fun. Yeah, everything else I'll tweak, and, and you, can, you can... I think one of the things I mentioned about Pox that's really cool is it's a metagame deck, and you can tweak it to any metagame. So if I keep going to... Like, if I keep playing at TE and I see there are, like, two or three combo players... And a bunch of Delver checkpile um, Stoneforge players, then you can tweak your deck really easily towards that kind of meta. I think Pox is actually really well set up to deal with all those kinds of decks. Um, might even be a better choice than it was before, uh, but it's still it's still sort of like I feel bad every time my opponents like ponder, and I'm like, sure. <laughs> And then they spend 90 seconds to two minutes like thinking about the cards and shuffling and drawing a card. And then they're like, brainstorm. And then they spend another couple minutes thinking about that. And I'm like, all right, well, this is cool. Like in the past, I could have been like, all right, I'll spin my top while you look, you know? <laughs> like I at least had something to do. <laughs> so so I, I, so I want to just come around to two points you kind of touched on real quick um, about the consistency. And th- this isn't something that I've really thought of, but it did kind of pop in my head. So... These decks that are less consistent now, does that mean, though, like, Miracle's arguably the most consistent deck in the format? Do you think that with that being pushed out, with that being nerfed, like, a slightly less consistent deck is is more acceptable now than it was before with with, that, with Miracle's gone? No. Uh, I think that consistency is going to get replaced with the the 8 to 10 cantrip Delver decks. I mean, if you listen to the guys on Tusk Talk, like, they complain, like, yeah, it just... it. It's not that the card is necessarily inherently broken. I mean, Brainstorm's pretty close, but it just, it invites, it it limits deck building, and it, it, it invites the same sort of play patterns, right? Which is another word of consistency. It does the same thing every single time, over and over and over again, no matter what. Like, when you're playing all those Ponders and Brainstorms and Delvers, like, turn one, you're either casting a Delver or Ponder or ponder or brainstorm to try to find a delver and then you're playing the delver and then casting more ponders and brainstorms to either get more delvers or Mm -hmm. counter magic to just protect the delver and that's going to happen every game like it's super rare that you're going to find someone who's going to 
end up casting a ponder, finding a ponder, casting another ponder, and not getting a delver and sort of sitting there like a derp. Like, that happens so rarely because you have all these cantrips. Like, you see more cards, your deck does what it wants to do more often, and um, I think that is just going to take over the consistency of the Miracles deck. Like, Mm -hmm. they abused it even more, right? They had ponder, brainstorm, and top, and predict. Um, So they, they sort of took that to, like, the nth degree, Mm-hmm. But those those Delver decks are just they're consistent enough, you know. Okay. Now the other thing, and I think this is something I've I thought a little bit more about. So the decks that really got affected is so we saw this kind of this uh, this chart with all these decks that were affected by the top end. Um, Miracles being sixty percent of the decks that were affected. Show and tell and storm. Let's just throw them out because they are clearly doing just fine without Sensei's top. Um, with you know with Miracles not being in the format, I think that that's a wash for them. Um, they have posted a lot of pl- plenty of 5-0 deck lists on uh, on Magic Online and the Competitive Legacy League, so those two decks are fine. So really, the splash damage, like if you discount the Miracles players and you discount the two decks that really didn't different didn't suffer from it, you're looking at a very very small amount of players of of those 50 decks that were posted. And again, like you said, that is only a fraction of a fraction of what is actually out there for the players who play who who did play top in some. In some sense. Yeah, the um, other thing you have to think about, though, is these are decks that top-aided. So how many, mm-hmm. like, Painter and Nickfic players out there were just, like, not top-aiding, but, right. like, doing well enough in that they, like, liked playing their deck enough that they would keep playing, and they just weren't top-aiding. So they're not ever going to be represented here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, so, so my so. point was, though, still that in, in that in that small, very small sense, in that micro, you know, kind of micro sense... You know the 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 damage of the ban is I I think overall significantly less like the because like you said people's confidence gets sh- shaken their enjoyment of the game gets shaken they might like you said put down a deck altogether and and step away for a while however the amount of people who were playing miracles you know s- say four five six rounds out of nine at a GP has gone up significantly or you know maybe perhaps has gone up significantly. Um, so do you think that that outweighs the amount of people who are bummed by losing top? Because I would imagine that the amount of people who are happy not having to play Miracles anymore is probably greater than the amount of people who are upset that they don't have top to make their decks work. I'm not going to presume to know what people's, like, happy, like, what their payoff function is. That's, well, that's um, why you're on here. We're on here, to pres- we're on here to make grandiose statements that we can't back up. Um, I think it's a positive change for the format. I mm-hmm. think it would really suck to lose some people from the community altogether. Like, I think you should try to avoid that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the players who are playing Miracles and the players who had to play against Miracles all those rounds in the tournament, like, if you're playing them four or six rounds out of a GP, mm-hmm. like, what if there's a new best deck? All those players are just going to hop on the new best deck train. Like, I think... A huge problem with Miracles was that it was the best deck, and a bunch of people would just play it only because it was the best deck. Yeah. And um, people would come into the format and be like, oh, um, I want to win. What's the best deck? Oh, this is, you know, someone would be like, here's the best deck. It's called Miracles. And they'd look at it, and they'd be like, cool, I'm going to get all these cards and play this deck. And they wouldn't know how to play it really, and it's a deck that takes, I mean, I don't know if you can ever really learn how to play that, 100% correctly like if you listen to interviews with you know some of the top players in the world they're like yeah like I think Reed Duke is quoted as saying like I don't think I've ever played a perfect miracles game ever mm-hmm. in my life like I'm I'm almost 100% positive I've made a mistake 
somewhere in every game. And when you get people who are just playing it because it's the best deck and they don't play often enough or they're new to the format, you get into these situations where they're spending way too much time thinking about their top spins, and that was like a huge problem. So, I mean, I think, yeah, getting rid of this, definitely, it's it's super healthy to the format. I think discounting the um, sort of the, the splash damage, discounting it or like putting it aside and being like, yeah, but the benefit outweighs the cost, so screw you guys, um, is kind of not the way to go. We should recognize that, yeah, some people like, they are out of a deck for, you know, maybe forever. Maybe they'll stop playing Legacy altogether, or maybe they're going to take, you know, it can take two, six, eight months to build back up to a new Legacy deck, right? It's a really cost-prohibitive format mm-hmm. um, to play anything competitive. Um, so, like, think about that. Um, I think that's all I was saying. You can't just be like, all right, yeah, screw you guys, because, like, I have all my Brainstorms, Ponders, and Force Wheels, so now I can build a deck. You know, what if... These players now spend time tweaking it. They come back into the format, and six out of eight rounds, they're playing Bugged Over, Rugged Over, Grixis Delver, which are all ostensibly the same deck. You know, like a third to two thirds of those decks are going to be the same, with like a few minor changes in like what your two drop in giant drops are. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see how the format shakes out. I think you know, like you were looking at in the last couple of weeks, like. Control's kind of gone way, way, way down as a percentage of top eight decks, and that's sort of like aggro and combo now. So it seems like a lot faster, and there's a lot of exciting things going on. But I think, you know, you guys mentioned the Miracles, the salty Miracles players are like, ah, well, enjoy getting wrecked turn zero by, you know, Storm now. Um, The thought is like, yeah, but, you know, the Delver decks come back into play, and those guys kind of keep, you know, the degenerate combo decks down but now you've sort of transferred that responsibility and all that percentage of the format into the aggro tempo decks Mm -hmm. so as we see control kind of go back down the question is is there a new or sorry as we see combo decks go down as a percentage do we see a control deck come back into the format or is it just going to be control stays at 20 or below percent Mm -hmm. combo goes back down to 30 or 20 percent and then it's 60 ish percent aggro tempo decks like is that the format we want i don't know Hmm. i think that's also kind of exaggerating in the other direction though because i've seen more unique crazy brews in the last couple weeks than i've seen in the last year to two years combined i definitely think there's a lot of creation going on and while the overarching themes of these decks might be the same and we are entering into a faster uh, meta, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean, it's just something different. We had a slow, control-orientated meta for three years. And for some people, that those three years were their entire you know legacy career. But when I kind of look at this as the overall just, you know, uh, fluctuations, the, get, the pull and tug of the legacy meta... I, I just think we're entering into a new epoch of it, and I, I'm excited to see where it's where it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I I've definitely seen some creativity as well, and I'm excited to try out a couple of new things myself. Um, but I, I guess this goes back to kind of what we, we we were talking about before the cast earlier is that in a new in a new format there. Is all sorts of creativity, but then, so if you look at new standard formats, oh, everyone's like, oh, cool, look at all these, like, you know, the, the format is so diverse, and then by the time you get to the Pro Tour, it's like, okay, there are, like, two decks that are clearly the best deck, or one deck that ends up being, yeah, this is busted, and, you know, the format is solved. 
So you- I, I, I don't think a legacy will ever be solved, but I'm wondering, you know, we're two weeks in, like give the format six, seven, eight months, see where it settles and people will, you know, people will put down their kooky combo decks in favor of a better deck that top aided most recently. And I'm, I'm concerned that there is potential for, you know, eight months down the line for a lot of those decks that are doing well to look very similar. I'm not talking about now. Now is a very exciting time. I'm wondering when we sort of settle down. Do you really think that there are going to be all those kooky wacky decks are going to be competitive enough in a eventually toned, like stable format to be competitive? I mean, I don't think they're competitive now, but at least they're playable. I just think, you know, Miracles as a deck, as such a brutal control deck, held these decks back to the point that people didn't even bother playing them. I think now people definitely are much more at liberty to play what they want to play, just because the meta in general is, is you know, has relaxed a bit. And, you know, kind of going back to your same standard example... Uh, with saying that the format is you know very fast right now, I think that's also just a fact that when things are new, linear aggro decks tend to do well. That's why we're seeing these linear combo decks and these fast aggressive decks doing so well because people are still trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, and how to deal with them. Absolutely, yeah. that's definitely part of what's going on. Yeah, but I do kind of share your concern. I am worried that you know we might see a format even more dominated by Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Will, but at the same time, I mean, we kind of are, we're already in there. I mean, it's, it's, that's not a new threat by any means, even under Miracles, that was still a concern. Yeah, it's been a constant concern, and, you know, as much as people say, oh, ban Brainstorm, ban Force of Will, or whatever, you know, I think, it's not that they're quote-unquote cornerstones, it's like, I don't think they're ever going to get banned, because they would have been banned by now. If they were going to be like the argument has been the same forever and like years like it's it's, it's an argument as old as time and it's a yeah, losing exactly. argument and every it, time. Right, exactly. So they're not going to. Um and so that is the only reason I think that they won't get banned. I think there's definitely argument for like I bet you you can pull up I mean, especially with Miracles even, look at the number of decks that are winning tournaments that are playing Brainstorm and Force of Will. Like it's it's a disgusting percentage. Um <laughs> But, Everyone was freaking out because there was that one, I think it was like the Japanese GP, where it was like 88% of decks played Brainstorm. <laughs> I mean, right now it's 66 in the last two weeks. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. That is a it's lot. A, it's been a lot always. Like, it's not... Yeah. Well, speaking of figuring out some new things and playing blue decks without Brainstorm, Dan, you're putting together a new deck right now, aren't you? I'm down. Well, I don't know. I just thought of that, like, black-red blood moon abyss. (laughs) So you might shelf the deck you've been working on for this deck that we came up with on the fly. I fully support that decision. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're in an exciting time, Jerry. I can try whatever I want. Needs more sinkhole. Ooh, yes. (laughs) If only there was a zombie spirit guide. (laughs) That would be busted. Is there no black spirit guide? No, No, it's just red and green. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's yeah, no, no Merfolk Spirit Guide, no Zombie Spirit Guide. Are those both from uh, Future Sight? Or not Future Sight, uh, Plane Shift? No, Elvish Spirit Guide is old. Like Ice Age, I want to say. Oh, okay. What's Simmons Spirit, Spirit Guide from? What's that set? Time Shift or Time Spiral? Time, or, uh, okay, all right. Not Time Spiral. It's future Sight, not Future Sight, but the one, it was part of the Future Sight block. Right. Yeah, it was. Right. 
So it's a time shifted Elvish Spirit Guide, is all it is. Yeah, that's okay. that's the whole thing idea behind gotcha. it. Gotcha, gotcha. That's why the tongue in cheek joke when you fetch turn one, sometimes your opponent will go, you know, half jokingly, Elvish Spirit Guide, Simeon Spirit Guide, Manamorphos, stifle your turn one fetch. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you play in the legacy circuit long enough, you, you yeah, that sounds like a good joke, Jerry. It's a good joke. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you've been around the block, no one's ever time, made that joke, Jerry. Don't lie. All the time, <laughs> listeners, tweet at that and tell them if you have heard that joke. Before. Wait, has that ever happened in legacy before? Because I think we might be onto a deck, Jerry. <laughs> Get that turn one stifle. <laughs> The that's four for four. one? I was going to say that sick four, four for, for one. one. <laughs> they might not have a land. You don't know. <laughs> Actually, it's a three for one since Vanamorphos replaces itself, but still. Uh, yeah, hey, hey, you know, I'll take those odds. Oh, man. Uh, um, no, but I think you were you were referencing the Tezzeret deck. Yeah, yes. I that, that seems like a lot of fun. I... I think it, it like it seems like a super sweet deck, and it seems like if people are going to be attacking you with creatures, um, like you can sit under a bridge and then Tezzeret them out. You've also got the Thopter Foundry combo in there. I also get to play some number of the Abyss, which is an incredible card and a ton of fun to play. Um, you get to play four Tezzeret, some number of Jace. Like the deck is sweet. Uh, you also get to play Chalice, which I think. Like you were mentioning, with a lot of people feeling safe and they can cast their one mana spells again, like Chalice for one is pretty powerful right now. So, so explain to our listeners who might not know what Tesserator is. You know, what's just kind of like the general idea behind the deck? Yeah, the idea is to play soul lands and fast mana and cast four mana spells as um, soon as possible. <laughs> as soon as, like turn two, you want to be casting like a Jace or a Tesseret or. An abyss. An abyss. Um, or void. Yeah, I think I'd probably board the Nether Void. I think I'd start with, you know, two or three copies of the Abyss main deck. Um, Nether Void, it's sort of like if you cast another Void turn two and then you're not playing a combo deck, you now have to pay seven mana for your Planeswalkers. I mean, you can do it. I think I think a better card in that case, uh, Jerry, is Trinisphere, because mm-hmm. your stuff is going to cost more than three anyway. And oh, yeah, I mean, Trinisphere is definitely main. Yeah, yeah. So, so you play like you play Chalice of the Void and and Trinisphere and sort of try to lock your opponent out of casting spells. You can play Snare. You you also play Ensnaring Bridge so they can't attack you, and then you play super powerful Planeswalkers that end up winning the game by themselves. Or you play Trinisphere and Nether Void at the same time and make them pay six for their brainstorms. You can do that too, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many decks can actually pay for that. Probably not that many these days. Yeah. Yeah, so for our listeners, uh, Nether Void is an enchantment for three and a black, and it's just mana leak every spell that gets played. It's a black counter spell. <laughs> it is but, a but really fun card. I remember playing um, at a Star... I think it was a Star City Worcester, and I had just recently started playing the Mono Black Pox deck, and I was main decking another Void. And um, I played against Matt Costa, and he had been playing a lot of Standard, but he hadn't been playing a lot of Legacy competitively. And he was playing Rug Delver, and he... Like, I turned two Dark Ritual into another Void, but I had the Italian version. And he was like, what's that card do? And I was like, I mean, you know, I don't... like. Long story short, it mana leaks every spell, 
we can get a judge to give you the exact oracle text. <laughs> and so he yelled down the eye, like down the table <laughs> across like, se- several games, <laughs> across several games and like six or seven tables next to us. One of his friends was there. He's like, Hey, you heard about this card that mana leaks everything? And his friend's like, oh, yeah, Nether Void, that card's sweet. And he's like, yeah. And then he goes, I'll force that. And then he just makes <laughs> it shoot up. Judge, outside assistance, my opponent's friend said this card was sweet. <laughs> uh, no, man, it was all in good fun. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nether Void is a great card. I, I really, really like it. But um, I think in a Tesserator deck, it's, it's a sideboard card that I mean, it's like a worse Trinisphere in a lot of cases, um, unless unless you're playing both. I mean, it doesn't these days. It doesn't die to abrupt decay because it costs four. It's an enchantment that sits there and they can't decay it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that's a big strength. Yeah, it's a huge strength. Yeah, I think it was John Orr who said uh, some cards uh, get a power boost by being four mana instead of three. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's been. I think I played against him with Pox, and he was playing some pile, like just hot pile of hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like we did nothing for a long time. He played like five basic lands and cast a Nissa, and then like a hunt, like a uh, Master of the Wild Hunt. Master of the Wild Hunt, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And like I like I can't beat a Nissa. Like I literally just cannot beat a Nissa in a bunch of basic lands. Like can't beat a standard deck. Like. <laughs> There are plenty of legacy decks out there that are so tuned to beating other legacy decks that you end up not being able to beat, like, a standard deck, essentially. Uh, Yeah, that's like I remember when I was at uh, in the Star City Games event, and it was during, like, Gatewatch Standard when there was that, that, like, aggro humans deck that just, like, pumped out. What's the... It's the hue. It's, like, hybrid green-red, hybrid green-red for a 2-2, and it adds green-red to your mana pool. Oh, yeah, um... Uh, Burning Tree Emissary. Yeah, Burning Tree card. Emissary. It was like Naya Humans. And this guy showed up to a Legacy Tournament with Naya Humans, and he was like 3-0 to start the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just like drop three of those like turn two. That's not bad. Sometimes Legacy decks have trouble beating standard decks. It just happens. <laughs> So we're off topic, and as you know, Jerry, that y- y- you guys have been rated most likely to go off the rails within like two seconds on the source. It's true. It's true. I know. Thanks for sharing that. It, it was a very touching review. It, it was some nice, but they did say that for the superlatives, most likely to go off the rails. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> accurate. It is accurate. It's very accurate. Yeah. This is a conversation, though. We're, we're having conversations here. We're not. We're not. You know, lecturing. We're having conversations. Okay, so where are we at? Where are we at in the cast? We've gone over... Tesserator. We're, we were on Tesserator, <laughs> and we talked about uh, Nether Void and Trinisphere and how Nether Void... be a standard deck. <laughs> yeah, Nether Void can't be Abrupt Decade. That's where we left off. Boom. Yeah, I mean, it it is a sweet deck. I think I'm missing, like, two cards out of it. I'm missing a couple of Transmute Artifact, um, but otherwise it's good to go, and it... It is a lot of fun. There are, are a lot of different ways to build it. There have been a couple of players in the past who have played at large tournaments to pretty decent success. Um, Caleb Durward definitely did well at a Star City years ago with a Tesserator build. Um, and around the same time, I forget who it was, someone was playing a version of the deck with three or four copies of the Abyss. I don't think Caleb was playing the Abyss. Um 
I definitely would, mostly because I have so many copies and I never get to do anything with them, and it would be great to, you know, let them start killing of, some things. You're one of the very few people in the world who can say you have a playset of uh, The Abyss. <laughs> and don't use them. <laughs> Aren't they legit, be- like, uh, enchant worlds so you can only have one of them in play at a time anyways? Yeah, they're, they're part of that weird enchant world thing. Yeah, you can't have two copies of The Abyss. Like, that'd be... I mean, that would just be dumb. They should probably just make them legendary. Well, I, mean, I guess it's because... Well, I mean, it's... It's, it's like, like super legendary. Yeah, you right? Can't have, yeah, only one enchant world at all, at any time for any so, player. For for the listeners, um, Nether Void is also an enchant world, so you can't have another Void and an Abyss out at the same time. You gotta pick one. And yeah. what else? Is it a Drop of Honey an enchant world? Uh, Concordant Crossroads is an enchant world. Give all your creatures haste. Or all every creature's haste. Every creature's. <laughs> every creature's. Hey, thing. <laughs> hey, Kentucky Derby just happened. I'm on a few mint juleps deep. <laughs> Wasn't that like three days ago? <laughs> I've been going strong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that's very, very good. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I think it's a cool deck. It's it's a deck for if people want to build it. I mean, you're you're looking at underground seas, and I would build it without force of will or anything like that. But you can you can build a version with force of will because you're you're playing baleful strix. You have enough blue cards to support force of will. Um, so if you're worried about building a version of this deck that will not be able to, you know, audible into other decks, you 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 can build it with the standard blue cards, but. If you have the Force of Wills, feel free to add them, but don't feel obligated to pick them up for the Tesserator deck. True, yeah. Although, the thing is, like, I've been looking at Tesserator decks that have been doing well online, and most recently, they've they've not been playing them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the reason for that is. Maybe it's because of the Rise of Storm and Elves, because they're cropping up so much that they're playing so many Trinospheres, and Trinosphere nerfs your... Force of Wills. Yeah, big time. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. If you're playing the version of the deck that's running four Chalice of the Void, void four Trinospheres, you probably don't even need Force of Will. I mean, it's like, yeah. yes, you have those, you know, bad games where your opponent turn ones you, but, you know, shit happens. Yep, and that's Legacy, and that's a beautiful thing. Exactly. So, you know, it's okay to give up a few percentage points when your opponent just has the absolute nut. Um, if, you know, 90% of the other time you're going to have lots of protection up. Yeah, I think, I don't think you need to play four Trinospheres. I think playing four Chalice is a must, but then playing like two or three Trinospheres main is fine. And then playing some number in the board to go back up to three or four to shore up those, um, those combo matchups is, is a good way to go. I think it's a pretty cool deck. Um, I think if Storm and Elves keep rising in popularity, that's a really good deck to check out. Um, that's still strong enough against like the mid-range decks that are trying to attack you. You can drop a bunch of ensnaring bridges and and sit with your planeswalkers. And people forget Tezzeret like drops plus ones, and then next turn you're probably dead if you can't deal with it. Yeah, pretty much. It's a it's a brutal deck, um, just because. It locks your opponent out early, and then you just start slamming these power four drops. All about the four drops, Jerry. It's all about the four drops. <laughs> uh, I mean, I 
also have a brew that I've been excited about. Uh-oh. Is it a Jerry Me brew? It is a Jerry Me brew. Does it, actually, does, it have, does it have Monastery Mentor in the sideboard? <laughs> it should. <laughs> Just add an entirely new color for it. <laughs> um, no, I came out with my uh, blue-green uh, show and told. <laughs> Show and told. I felt quite proud of that title. You're such a wordsmith, Jerry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said you're a wordsmith. Oh, I thought you said I was a wuss. Anyway, Show and Told. Show and Told is some spice that I've been working on, and I'm waiting for my TCG player package to get here with my hypergenesis and uh, as for told so I can sleeve it up. But, uh, uh, so, did you know, guys, that you can cast suspend cards for free off of Asper Gold at, uh, whenever you want? <laughs> any, whenever you want, I mean, at the beginning of your upkeep, once per turn? <laughs> Jerry, where is this going to land on, like, a scale from hot garbage to not playable at all? Actually, <laughs> actually playable i've had several people message me today uh saying uh how much they like the deck and you know giving me tweaks and moderations of how they see the deck playing out several people it was aaron and i don't know probably (laughs) (laughs) the show and tell community is quite a buzz about it which i'm i'm happy about joel uh was telling me friend of the cast uh how he was showing it to a bunch of his local players and they started uh a uh like a thread to talk about the deck and, uh, you know, how they want to test with it. So I, a bunch of people are actually going to start uh, testing the deck this weekend. So I'm excited for uh, the results to start coming in. Sweet. But, that, that'll be that'll be really interesting to look at. I mean, if Aaron says it's legit, I got a ton of respect for Aaron. So Did, did Aaron say it was legit? I, I didn't think he could bear to give me a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can any of us bear to give you a compliment, Jerry? It's usually, I mean, it's... When we do, it's always backhanded. So take the backhanded compliments. Do you think you do it for my own protection? Because otherwise, my ego would inflate so much, my head would explode. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta constantly deflate me. <laughs> but anyways, the list looks like so. Four show and tell already off to a good start. That's a good card. Four show and tell right there. <laughs> Up next, we got an oldie but goodie. When was the last time either of you saw Hypergenesis get played? And Legacy, it has been forever. But that card is so sweet. Uh, I remember there was like a Star City Games Top 8 where it was like Jerry Thompson versus Girlfriend in Top 8. And uh, she was on Hypergenesis and she just crushed him on camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> versus who? Uh, Jerry Thompson. I forget his girlfriend's name. I feel really bad. Do oh, he was playing against his girlfriend at the time? Yeah, in Top oh, wow. 8. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so and I remember seeing that matchup and just seeing the power of Hypergenesis. So, but the problem with Hypergenesis, so Hypergenesis, it's a suspend card, suspend three, one green, green, and it's kind of a pseudo copy of Eureka. So when it comes off suspend, or when you cheat it into play with Shardless Agent, Cascade, or As for Tolds, starting with you, each player may put an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from his or her hand into play. Repeat this process until no one puts a card into play. So I've seen Hypergenesis players put, uh, like, uh, go, you know, Emrakul, Grizzlebrand, Tidespout Tyrant, <laughs> Terastodon, and then their opponent goes, like, Delver of Secrets. 
Well, it goes in order, right? So it's sort of like a an or like an in order right. show and tell until someone just like until you both decide to not put something into play. Right. So, so you would be like Grizzlebrand, and they're like, "All right, I'll put a Delverin." And then you're like Terracidon, blow up all your shit, and they're like, <laughs> "All right, I'll put nothing into play." And you're like, "Great, I have all these other guys I'm gonna put into play." Right. So one player will put in one card, and then usually the Hypergenesis player puts in three or four cards. <laughs> so Which Hypergenesis is a yeah, it's symmetrical, but still not very fair. Super powerful. It used to be much more popular, but the reason why it never really took off is because it had to run these just shitty cards. <laughs> <laughs> so before As Foretold was printed, uh, Cascade was really the only reliable way to, to cheat uh, Hypergenesis into play without having to wait the three turns to suspend it. But Shardless Agent was the only good Cascade spell, so they had to run cards like Violent Outburst, which is one red-green uh, cascade creatures you control get plus one plus zero until end of turn. Is that the one with the alien on the front? Yeah, it is oh, the alien dude. on the front. The purple alien. <laughs> but that card's terrible. One red and a green just to cast your hypergenesis. Creatures you control get plus one plus zero until end of turn. That's all it does. <laughs> that's, that's all it does. Yeah, it's pretty or, bad. Or if they were running the white splash, they would run ardent plea, one white blue, exalted cascade. <laughs> You just have an enchantment with Exalted. <laughs> like, these cards were terrible, and not only that, you had to splash a third color just to run them, because there wasn't another uh, green-blue Cascade spell that you could use. Okay. So they just had to run these this extra color, which made the mana base so much weaker, so they could play these terrible cards so that they could Cascade into, uh, into Hypergenesis. And then because of that, they had to definitely make sure that they hit Hypergenesis every time to make it worth it, so nothing else in the deck could cost less than three, so they weren't able to run, like, Brainstorms or Ponders or anything like that. So it was just a really big, you know, disadvantage of the deck and why it never really broke past Tier 2 status. Mm -hmm. But now that we have As Foretold, I I think, you know, maybe we can dust the cobwebs off this one and give it another uh, Uh, run. Alright, so Jerry, how are you setting this fucking shit up because <laughs> as foretold seems so bad to me it seems no, so bad so, so no no no. it's actually really good right so well but you it's, it's not like it's not less. like right oh, okay x or less all right I keep yeah so i think i i never bothered to read the card fully but it's <laughs> x or less yeah so it's sort of like you can you play it and if you have the hypergenesis you can actually cast it okay then next turn you can like play a cantrip for free and then next turn you can play any spell up to two for free, and then mm-hmm. the third turn, any spell up to up to three for free. I, I had initially, like, glossed over this as exactly X, which it mm-hmm. probably should be, but... um, It would make it less... It would, seems, <laughs> making it X or less is what makes it broken. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, it seems... That seems actually really good and, like, playable in in Eternal Formats. Yeah, I... I, I mean, it's tearing it up in Vintage. It's crazy. Yeah. Jesus, I bet. Um... Because you just get to throw these... Because it's each turn, too. What I like about it is... it uh, Now the deck can run Ancestral Vision. So you can either Cascade into uh, Ancestral Vision with Shardless Agent. Or you can just play uh, uh, As Foretold on turn two. Just go like turn one Island, turn two City of Traders or Ancient Tomb. Uh, or even just... Turn one island, turn two any other lands, uh, exile Elvish Spirit Guide, play as foretold. 
and then just cast Ancestral Vision straight away off the As Foretold, because it's also a suspend card, and fill your hand up with three fresh cards. And you can just, you know, chain Ancestral Visions uh, when you have the uh, As Foretold in play. Yeah, this card seems real good. So are you also playing Show and Tell in the list, Jerry, just in case? Uh, we started with Show and Tell. Four Show and Tell, four Ancestral Visions... Uh, I've been talking with people, and I'm I'm actually thinking we may. So right now it's one dream halls and two omniscience, but I think those numbers should actually probably be switched because the dream halls can also cast ancestral visions. So you can discard like a uh, brainstorm two a uh, dream halls to cast ancestral visions for free, and you still net one card. Uh, plus, you know you're drawing three fresh cards that could have the combo piece you need. So Dream Halls also plays into it because you're running two Progenitus. And if you get a Dream Halls in play, which you can also just hard cast because it only costs five and you're running Elvish Spirit Guides and Soul Land, so you can hard cast Dream Halls as early as turn three. Uh, Dream Halls, you can use Progenitus to just hard cast Grizzlebrand or hard cast, uh, you know, some other. Not Emrakul is the downside, but, you know, you can use Dream Halls to discard a blue card to hard cast Omniscience and then cast. Uh, Emrakul off of Omniscience. So the deck is just, I view it kind of as a snowball deck. It starts off little, and then it just, like, explodes outwards from itself. Yeah, it, I mean, looking at this card, Jerry, thinking about all that, I remember you you used to play, like, a Show and Tell Dream Halls deck, and it was <laughs> maybe not victory. quite there, right? <laughs> Coalition Victory. That was an old Ari Lax deck. Coalition yeah. Victory, Dream Halls, uh, Progenitus and Conflux. Conflux is a great card. Three and then one of every color. Search your library for a card of each color and put it into your hand. <laughs> that, that was. Fun. I mean, it was a lot of. That was a. That was a mess. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was an actual mess, but it was super fun. And this just seems like like an actual, maybe like competitive, good version of this deck. Yeah. Now I want to play it, Jerry. God damn it. I just had, like, I was like, okay. I, like, knew what I was going to do. I was going to play Tesserator. And then I was like, no. I'm going to get the Badlands. And I'm going to play the most hateful deck I could possibly think of. And then I'm like, no. But I want to do silly things because it's a new format. Yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to sleeving this deck up. But, yeah. So to finish off the list. So four Show and Tell, three Hypergenesis, one Dream Halls. Four Ancestral Vision, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, three Misdirection, four As Foretold, two Omniscience, and then for the big baddies, we got two Grizzlebrand, two Emrakul, one Tidespout Tyrant, two Progenitus. I mean, you could also use, like, Ashen Rider, uh, Terastodon. There's a lot of different creatures you can choose from. And then... Four Shardless Agent, three Elvish Spirit Guide, and then the mana base is pretty straightforward of just three Tropical Islands, a Forest, two Islands, four Misty Rainforest, three Polluted Delta, two Ancient Tomb, two City of Traders. So yeah, my article went up on, where I kind of break the, the, the deck down in, into more depth, but I'm, I'm pumped for this deck. This seems like so much fun. Yeah, man, it looks sweet. I'm like, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have so many other decks, Dan. I'll sleeve this up, and you can you can play it, and you tell me how it is. <laughs> well, you know the good part of this, um, you're not going to be playing your undergrounds probably, so that means I can play Tesserator, <laughs> and uh, it looks like you're not playing your Badlands either. 
<laughs> I told you, if you just looked through so like, the trash bins, you can find some of those. <laughs> yeah. It's like Pokemon. Just rustle around in the tall grass and you'll find a Badlands or two. A wild Badlands has appeared. Oh, man. Are you going to actually play this deck, Jerry? Uh, yeah. I'm I'm still waiting. I got uh, Korean uh, Hypergenesis for like a dollar each, so... <laughs> I can't wait to play Hypergenesis and have my opponent go, what does this card do? And then look forlornly at my Korean card. <laughs> Let me look that up on my iPhone, and I will tell you exactly what it does. <laughs> That's what it's going to be like. Uh, uh, but then you're meddling in that unregulated financial market, Jerry, right? So you're going to like end up on like camera. It's going to be like round six of a Star City. You're going to cast a hypergenesis off of your as foretold and go off and immediately all of those cards are going to quadruple in price and they're going to be pulled <laughs> it sounds like you're speaking from experience dan <sighs> may have done that one time <laughs> it was a mistake uh tell tell that story how you priced yourself out of buying cards <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought the abyss and nether void were a little overpriced that like 45 to 50 dollars um and i played a steaming pile of garbage one time at a star city open it was uh, affinity tesserator <laughs> yeah it was it was it was a, it was a silly deck it was like an affinity deck that like tried to also kind of have fast mana to play out tesseret and like the abyss or another void and just hope that got there which to be fair most of the time it, it did um, if you can play a bunch of dorks and a cranial plating and then next turn untap and cast your nether void, you're almost certainly going to kill them before they can deal with anything. And, uh, this was before abrupt decay. So you couldn't just like decay the plating and not worry about the spell getting countered unless you paid three. And, um, I think I, like I inexplicably won the first two rounds of the tournament. And it was like 2-0 with this steaming pile of garbage that had an abyss and another void. And so, like, Ruben Bresler at the time came by and was like, will you do a deck tech? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, all right, I don't really care about anything else. Like, I like the deck. I like, you know, I looked at the deck, and I think it's cool. But uh, these are the cards, you know, like, basically what makes the deck? And I was like, well, Tezzeret. And then we're playing an abyss and, an, and another void. And, uh... So I sat down with him, recorded that, walked over to, you know, the Star City booth, and I was like, hey, you know, I was thinking about picking up more copies of the Abyss, because I kind of want to put that, like, Tesserator deck together, but, um, you know, I couldn't really justify the 50 bucks at the beginning of the day. And I looked, and it was like, no copies, $75. And I was like, that's weird. Because <laughs> like, yeah, no it was copies. $50. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, it was available at the beginning of the day, but it was 50 bucks, and I didn't really want to pay for it. And uh, by the end of the, of the day, I went back, and it was up to like 150 bucks, And I was like, what in the world <laughs> is happening right now? <laughs> and that's how I got introduced to the fact that you can, you can mess with the market as long as you can get the audience excited enough about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that freaking Star City Games did it. They pulled all their copies, and before they even aired the uh, deck tech, they had their buyers buying up copies of the Abyss and Nether Void. Yeah. And then they, I mean, they they aired the deck tech, and lo and behold, the price spikes. Yeah, that was smart. But you know what? Fool me once. 
<laughs> Never do so the Jerry, Jack Jack the Star next... City games again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Jerry, here's what you gotta do. You gotta spec hard on Hypergenesis. You gotta show up to a Star City <laughs> open. You gotta crush it and then, like, reap the profits. No, I'm, apparently I'm never going to a Star City Games event ever again because they don't know how to fucking schedule. <laughs> I was going to say we might go over that tonight, but we're getting a little long, so we might no, save that No, we're going over week. it. Uh, I'm, I'm getting hot and heavy. We're, we're going into this quick because... Hot and super heavy. Fast, super fast. Let's go, Jerry. Yeah, Tell me how no, you feel. This is bullshit. Star City Games complains about, oh, our legacy turnout uh, isn't as good as we were expecting, even though they're getting like 700-person legacy tournaments. Meanwhile, last year, one of their legacy events was on fucking Easter, and in this year coming up, their one and only legacy event is on Halloween. It's They're either inept or sinister. Those are the only two options. You know, are they purposely trying to uh, undermine their own legacy events, or are they so dumb they just don't know how to do this? You know, of all the Magic players that are most likely to have kids and need to take those kids trick-or-treating, legacy players and vintage players are the most likely because they tend to be older, more established players. So, you know, what... I, I just... I, I That's that's where I'm at. I can't believe what I'm seeing. So the three, the three legacy events they'll have will be Team Constructed in Atlanta. That's July 22nd and 23rd, which is actually my birthday week, which I have off from work, but I'm doing family shit, so I won't be attending that. Um... But that will ha- also have the Legacy Classic on Sunday. Uh, there's the Legacy Main Event uh, in DC, October 28th, 29th, which again, like the weekend, you know, the weekend around Halloween is really oh. a bad time for it. Also, it's the weekend after Eternal Weekend, so who the hell can swing two travel weekends in right. a row for Legacy events? Right. And then uh, there's another key- team constructed in Baltimore, November 18th and 19th. Again, that'll have a Legacy Classic on Sunday. Um, just kind of un- unfortunate timing for for me personally but also again like it it doesn't make sense to have your only legacy event a week after eternal weekend and again around halloween just just kind of blows my mind a little bit but i I think they're purposely doing it this way so that they can point to their low turnouts as a way for next year that they just stop doing it all together yeah i really i really i can't speak to the turnout numbers um because i don't keep track of those i'm sure they do but it's just unfortunate that that's the way they're going with this. I guess they've sold out all their dual lands, so they can't make enough money in the format to justify the tournaments. Nah, I wouldn't be surprised at that either, and they're just looking <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I stopped giving my money to Star City Games a long time ago, and I, I suggest other people do the same. Yeah. I mean, they're they're bright people. They know what they're doing. So let's let's dispel this. Are they dumb enough? No, they they know what's going on. No, that's what I'm saying. The, the, like, I think the real either... question is like, when was this decision made? And has like, uh, I mean, yeah, turnout numbers are important, but like viewership numbers are also like super important for advertising. Which so... doesn't make any sense. Well, that I I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. I don't think they make nearly as much money on Twitch as people think they do. Like, the, I don't I don't think that streaming is a re- actual more... revenue. Streaming is not a revenue source for for Star City Games. I'm sorry. No, it's but not. I think it's more advertising for their own brand. Is right. What. Yeah. It's like it's it's sort of like they don't have to pay for the advertising, so it's not like a direct source. But I mean, if if someone happens to play a cool new deck, and then people are like, "Oh, I saw the sweet deck on Star City. Let me go buy it from and Star City." You know, and like yeah, they they're watching it that. on the Star City website already. They're already at the website. So that mm. I mean, I'm sure they. I mean. I bet you they they make significantly more money off people watching the tournaments and then going to buy cards so they can make a sweet new deck that they just saw pop up on screen mm-hmm. than like the people paying what 
30, 40 bucks for a tournament entry one, you know, one time. Well, they're probably also just not selling that much in Legacy in general. Like, well, you can swap Legacy decks back and forth. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I was going to say, did anyone, has anyone called these people and told them that since it's Divining Top is banned and we don't have to watch the goddamn Miracles mirror all the fucking time? <laughs> like, they seem to not ever, they were like, okay, if you're not, if you don't, if you're not tied for the best record, we're not going to put you on camera. If you're not one of the people that have points on our like leaderboard, we're not going to put you on camera. So people never got to see like the fun side of Legacy, and they were like, right. "Oh, look, cool! It's miracles again. Miracles, miracles mirror again. matches. Yeah, yeah but again, people like if people aren't going to want to watch that, you know, if you're, if you're making the argument though that like they make money on the branding that they're they're viewership offers you know their streaming offers then they also want to make money on like the quote-unquote uh scg tour lifestyle with all these guys chasing you know guys and girls chasing the leaderboard ranking and so they are they are inclined to put those players on on uh on and coverage also, versus showing fun decks yeah absolutely. and also the grinders are the ones who are most likely to play the best deck in the format which exactly. was exactly so all those right. guys, like a lot of those guys ended up playing miracles you know and yeah. Uh, I mean, the ones that weren't weren't doing that well and never got on camera, right? It's like, right. so I think that definitely damaged viewership numbers. And I think if you know, I mean, we're gonna have a spice up. I mean, I wish it. It almost feels like I wish Miracles was banned a long time ago because mm-hmm. I think it, it like the format the format was unhealthy, um, mostly because that deck was so not fun. In the mirror of that was so especially not fun and. They backed themselves into a corner as one of the most popular streamers of Magic the Gathering. They backed themselves into a corner with trying to incentivize people to be like on the leaderboard, get the points. Like these are the players we want to get you to know. We want to brand them as like SCG Tour grinders. And mm-hmm. the grinders are playing the best deck, and the best deck is miserable all the time, and no one wants to watch that. Right. And you could look in the Twitch chat and be like why the fuck am I watching Miracles versus Miracles again? And, like, the numbers just drop off. So they were like, all right, well, Legacy's dumb. It's like, no, like, there was cool stuff happening. You just didn't want to let them on screen. And hopefully, you know, if if the format can, like, get a bit more healthy, have more interesting things going on, people are playing more different decks, then I'm hopeful that, you know, I mean, it's going to be slow to change, but that in years to come, they'll come back around to the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that, again, we are not privy to the uh, business dealings of Star City Games, and they know what makes them money and what doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't but, fault them for being a business. I just not. think they're an evil, evil business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Says well, the stockbroker? <laughs> I'm a very conflicted person. I love you, okay? Gary, but come on. I'm a very conflicted person. I, you know, I watch I watch Wall Street and I root for Gordon Gecko, and then I go to the soup kitchen and I ladle out for the homeless because you've I, never been to a soup kitchen, Jerry. <laughs> I, I give back. I give back. I give it my own way, Pat. Okay, I give it work. I give it work. Like, uh, I just, I just, I, I can just imagine Jerry having a really hard time sleeping on his. Uh, mattress that's stuffed full of hundred dollar bills. <laughs> a lot of a lot of restless nights there, Jerry. Okay, yeah, buddy. <laughs> it's not as comfortable as you would think. <laughs> Try next time you're in an office setting, just unbox those like slabs of paper they keep next to the printer and see how comfortable those are to lie on. I like how you call those. them slabs of paper because you obviously don't fill your printer at work. No, that's you, you pay some poor sap to do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> slabs of paper. Jerry, they're not hey, two by fours. Hey, Pat, you've clearly never heard of interns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, is there anything else we want to add before we get out of here tonight? Because we are running long. I think that's that's it. All right. Whoops. The, the box player brought us a very grindy uh, episode this week. Shocking, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, alright, so Jerry, um, let's see. If someone wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you, man? Uh, I'm at Hipsters of the Coast. Uh, my article will be in the archives by the time this episode comes out, but if you just search for the Spice Cabinet on Hipsters of the Coast, mm-hmm. uh, you can find all my articles on there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Jamie Third. 3RD. Uh, that's the third, not an extra 3RD at the ends. You, you know, Pat. Pat yeah, it'll you. be in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. These, this, is large, this is largely just uh, fluff. <laughs> you know, all this stuff is in the show notes if you actually want to see it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I'm also all over the Facebook group, so hit me up. <laughs> uh, how about you, Dan? Where can someone um, find you if they want to get a hold of you, if they want to talk about magic? Um, the classic pox answer, don't. Um, but um i think we went over this last time i am on twitter i don't really tweet but if you want to if you have any questions i'll definitely answer i'm at radadrabic which if you google the card smallpox from time spiral he's the one quoted um (laughs) and you're not yeah i mean like i will occasionally (laughs) step in to shut down jerry's idiotic comments on uh, (laughs) leaving a legacy page um, yeah, you set a bad example. You're allowed to do it because you're one of my oldest friends. I've known you since like sixth grade. But then all these other people come in, and all of a sudden it's just commonplace to shit on Jerry. <laughs> and now we have Jerry Gate. I've. <laughs> you know what, Jerry? I'm glad there are more people out there calling you on your bullshit because there weren't <laughs> enough of us before. <laughs> Uh, all right. Oh, and you can find me at Pat Eugle on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show Leaving a Legacy. Just search for it on Facebook. You can find us. Uh, let's see. Uh, our Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. My stream is uh, twitch.tv slash Pat uh, All that stuff is in the show notes. You guys know where to find us. Um, uh, before we do our songs, do we want to get into sco- some uh, scoops in the top eight? Oops. All right. Let's uh, first. I want to scoop in all of our Patreon supporters. Our newest ones this past week: uh, Michael Ames and Andrew Campbell. Thank you very much for supporting the show, uh, and all the awesome people who have been. Uh, I mean, still continue to blow up the the Facebook group. Um, it's been awesome. It's been growing uh, exponentially the last uh, few months. So it's been. I, really, I looked the other really day. Yeah, uh, I added like nineteen people in one day the other day. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> keep keep me on my toes on work. I'm just like blowing up. So this person needs access. <laughs> yeah, we got 560 members right now. <laughs> yeah, so we're uh, it's definitely been getting uh, it's been growing, man. It's been, it's been awesome, and uh, I think all the discussion on there for the most part is extremely uh, civil. People sharing deck lists and tech and and all that stuff, and it's just it's just great getting advice on how to play better. Um, it's fantastic. So. I want to thank all the awesome people on there. How about you, how about you, Jerry? Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Uh, we'll definitely want to scoop Dan in. Thanks for coming on, man. Even though you you, for, you forced your way strong arms through the through the door, <laughs> saying I gotta talk to Pat. <laughs> <laughs> gotta set him straight. <laughs> uh, also want to scoop all the people out at That's Entertainment in Worcester where we played the Sunday. You know, Nate the head judge. Uh, just everyone who was there, it was you know a great great time as always. Awesome. And uh, Dan, who do you want to scoop in this week? Um, 
I'll scoop you guys in for having me on. Thank you for having me on and not, you know, shitting on me. Um, <laughs> you guys are nice. Uh, I've heard you can go off the rail sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to have been introduced to that. Um, definitely scoop in everyone at TE and Worcester. It's a great place to play Legacy. It's where I learned to play Legacy. There are a ton of really civil, really nice people to play with who are really, really, really high-quality players. And I think it's... It's a, I mean, it's an incredible place to learn how to play the format. Um, I'd like to scoop in, I mean, all the folks on your Facebook page, but all the folks that are keeping our format sort of alive and fresh now. Everyone who's going to, like, brew a deck and not just hop on the Internet and see what happens to be winning and just copy that, um, you guys are, are keeping us alive and, and keeping us fresh and excited about this new format. So keep at it. I can't reach my bag with my headphones on. Oh, great. Ever prepare to have Jerry move his desk on on the mic? <laughs> that sounded bad. Sounded like you Question fell. Mark? Hello? Yeah, you're still here. Oh, you made it back. I made it back. I made it back. All right. You got the list, Pat? Yep. Dan, are you looking at the list? Wait, I'm going to lie? <laughs> I was going to say cheating, but lying also works. <laughs> Did you play my song last week? I haven't listened yet. Yeah, I played it. Of course I played it. All right, good. I'm totally going to check. <laughs> we got lucky number seven. Uh, Chris Stewart, I just had sex by Lonely Island. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, that's a great, great uh, way to end the episode. I just had sex, and it felt so good. I want to let me put my penis inside. I just had sex, and I'll never go back. Never go back. I'm not having sex ways of the past. Sweater. So this one's dedicated.